know that summer does not officially start for most people until like June 20th, after June 20th, but to me, Memorial Day, this is the kickoff of summer. Pools are opening up, you hear dads out there mowing the lawn, dads are taking their t-shirts off, letting our beer guts out there. Memorial Day though, I mean it is, it's Memorial Day weekend, I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's really nice, we're gonna actually be around family, I hope everybody gets to hang out with some family yeah, this dude, year. I am so excited for some of this year, Chrissy, I mean we're gonna get out, go to the farmer's markets, events are happening, things are happening. That's so awesome. I wanna talk about this episode though, today on episode 485 of the I Am Salt Lake podcast, we get a chat with a friend of ours, Sequoia Simone. I can't believe we haven't had her on the podcast yet. Oh my gosh, I love her so much. I just fangirl to death every time I see her. We had oh. such a great conversation. We got to talk about this Utah Quidditch program that she started like 10 years ago. Yeah. Here, here in Utah, obviously. Yeah, the amount of stuff that she does for people is incredible. Oh, she is so full of love. Yeah. And we got to talk about these uh, two podcasts that she does, one of them being a Harry Potter fan fiction podcast, which... Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, just her love of podcasts in general, her love of Utah, her love of Salt Lake City, her love of... of food. Of she food. is a foodie. Yeah. Follow her. Hey, but uh, we're going to get into that conversation here in just a minute. But before we do, we should probably introduce ourselves. Probably. Hi, guys. I'm Chrissy. Hey. Chrissy Hollifield. Hey, and I'm the other half. I'm Chris Hollifield. That's right. And if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you already know us. And thank you for coming back and joining us again. But if this is your first time listening, we want to let you know what we're all about. This show is all about showcasing awesome people in Salt Lake City, Utah, and surrounding areas. We get to talk to business owners, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, you know, other podcasters, whoever is really doing amazing stuff to keep growing this beautiful city and area that we live in. I want to talk about my exciting news here because I want to share it with the world because I'm on cloud nine right now, you guys. And I know if he's literally floating above my head. If you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you already know, but I passed my real estate exam just a couple of days ago. Hello. Oh my gosh, this has been, for a lot of you new, I mean, I, t I was talking about this like four years ago. Mm -hmm, I was going mm -hmm. out to get my license and then Lucy came along and I got kind of caught up with the dad thing. Always in the back of my head, when the pandemic came, I was stuck at home and I'm like, you know what, I am going to, I'm gonna hit this Use up again. It. I'm yeah. gonna do this. So I passed the exam, it was brutal. Oh my gosh, you I, did it. I'm an old man trying to get out there and do all this again, but I'm, I'm having That's a blast awesome. getting to know all this stuff. So I'm going to start selling some homes. I'm going to oh, yeah. start doing that. So, you And know, let me tell you, this guy has great taste in homes. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you got He's got some style. So I'm excited to, uh, I still got to get set up with a broker and all of that. So if I have any listeners that have a brokerage or anything, hit me up, you know, let me know yeah. what you have going on there and whatnot. But I want to get, uh, I want to get moving in that direction. But uh, like I said, Sequoia Simone's on the podcast today. Such a great conversation with her. Such a fun one. I think everybody's going to enjoy this one. Oh, totally. So absolutely. Uh, let's get into it. Here we go. Let's talk about Quidditch, though, because you started the Utah Quidditch program, what, eight, yes. ten years ago? How many years ago was this? Talk about how it started and, and what it is. Let's jump right in there. Yeah, let's do it. Um, So, yeah, I did start it ten years ago. And I started specifically the sort of chapter that began at the University of Utah. So I am a huge, 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 huge Harry Potter fan, obviously. Gotta love Harry Potter. And I uh, went to a Harry Potter convention. And my roommate at the Harry Potter convention was the captain of the Quidditch team at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. 
And I was like, tell me more. I must know everything, which is kind of weird because I've never been a sports person in my life. I like to watch sports, but I, di- I didn't play sports, not a big sports person, but I needed to know more, obviously, because it had to do with Harry Potter. And when I came home, I was actually running the chapter of the Harry Potter Alliance in Salt Lake at the time. And I wanted to do a Quidditch fundraiser. So I found the Utah Quidditch organization which was run by a guy named Nick Burke. And there was one team called the Utah Hex that was just sort of anybody who wanted from anywhere in Utah to play on the team. It was the Utah Hex. And they came and helped me run a fundraiser for the Harry Potter Alliance, where we had people come and play Quidditch and eat pizza. And it was a great time. And afterwards, he was like, hey, I've been trying to get something started at the University of Utah you go to school there. Do you want to start a team there? And that's how uh, that was the inception point of the Utah Quidditch program. Okay. Well, let's. Okay. So gosh, I got so many questions right off the bat. (laughs) First of all, Harry Potter Alliance. I don't think, I don't think we've talked about this yet. Have we together? Maybe we did. Uh, What? Okay. So you guys played Quidditch. First of all, is this still going on for people that are interested in Harry Potter? Like, uh, do you, are you still involved with this group? Um, so I handed off like management of the program a while ago, uh, probably four or five years ago, all the years blend together, but, um, I did hand that off. And then the Quidditch program grew so much that it ended up having to be split off into several different teams. So right now I know that the Utah Raptors, which are a club sport at the University of Utah, they are an active team uh, for sure. And then there's definitely pickup games that happen in Salt Lake, the sort of uh, postgraduate class of Quidditch people have kind of moved on. And so there's a space there to reinvigorate the Utah Crimson Flyers or the Utah Crimson Elite to become a new Salt Lake City community team. And then if you go to the to Utah State University has a really wonderful program as well. That's so cool. How hard was it to get the program? I mean, did you run into a lot of obstacles or was it pretty, pretty smooth sailing to get everything going? One of the really difficult things about Quidditch is that it is entirely self-funded, especially at the beginning when we weren't actually technically uh, related to the university. So we didn't have any like university money or anything. I get I know they have a little bit now, but it's still not very much money. So for the most part, it's a self-funded thing like you just love Quidditch. So you're going to pay to drive to California to compete against the California teams and they're going to let you sleep on the floor in their houses. And, you know, it's a really great time, but it does take a lot of of time and dedication and money. So it is in the beginning, it was super hard to get people involved. So we'd have Quidditch practices where there'd be like four people there, which is kind of hard to do a practice like you can't do a full scrimmage. You need at least at least 12 people to do a full scrimmage. And so it was hard to practice. It was hard to get better. It was hard to recruit. And then it just hit this, I think it was like 2013 or 2014, where all of a sudden everybody wanted to play and we had to have two teams. And, you know, it just ballooned. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, becoming more competitive in the 2000, 2014, 2015 season, the Crimson Elite were in the top 16 at nationals. Like we it was a very, very good program. But that was a team that was practicing five times a week. Do you get out still and play much or not at all? Um, not as much anymore. I did play for a couple of seasons, the 2014, 2015 season, the 2015, 2016 season, maybe. And then in 2017, I was no longer playing, um, because I started as just the manager of the team. Like I said, I'd never played sports, so I didn't feel like I should play, but I was just a manager. And then I transitioned into being a referee for the International Quidditch Association, uh, which became United States Quidditch. And I was also involved in the referee administration. So I was doing stuff like writing certification tests for referees and doing uh like field training and watching them for games. So they'd have like a game test that would be their last portion of their certification. So I would administer those uh, and creating those tests and those certification materials for the world, basically. And that was really great. And then once I was done doing that, I played a couple seasons. And then once I was done playing a couple seasons, I was the tournament director for a Major League Quidditch National Championship weekend. Wow. That sounds like a lot of work. It was. (laughs) All of it was a lot of work. It's why it took seven years for me to graduate from college because (laughs) because I kept just doing Quidditch stuff. You were like, I have played enough. I got to get serious about college now. And can you see like Quidditch ever becoming like an Olympic sport or something? Maybe I don't. Oh my gosh, that'd be so cool. Or do they do teams? I guess they do team sports. I don't know. I just hey, hey, bobsledding. That's true. Bobsledding. What's the thing where you're on the ice where you have a broom and the you know hockey or not? No, like curling. Yeah, curling. curling. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Quidditch can be a thing too. Quidditch has had exhibition games at the Olympics twice now, I think. And we do have a World Cup. There is a World Cup. So like United States Quidditch has a has a national championship with, that's divided into college teams and community teams. So post-grad teams. And that is obviously a huge event because it is the United States has the largest Quidditch presence for sure and is just the large country. But then we also have the World Cup and the World Cup is national teams. So the United States has a, a national team training program and they have, I think, somewhere around like 30 or a little bit more than 30 players that they bring into their training program to train to be on the national team. Uh, and then a bunch of different countries send their send their national teams. Um, we the United States has won most of the time. We did lose pretty badly a couple years ago, and uh, and then we had to have what was called our redeem team. But yeah, there is a World Cup that has like country teams that come and play against each other. So how involved are you still in it? You kind of you kind of moved on and started some new projects from then. Yeah, I actually when I started podcasting was when I stopped doing Quidditch. It could I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't do both. I didn't have the the spare time or cash to do both of them, but um it was actually a really uh it was a nice transition because I had been doing it for a really long time and had been, you know, had my hand in all different places 
you know, refereeing and managing and playing and tournament directing that, you know, it was time for something new. But I still love Quidditch. I still go to the national tournament and I still support all of the Utah teams. Every time a new Utah team crops up, I buy their jersey and I keep every Utah jersey that's ever been. Um I have, I'm planning a display of them. But, you know, I just I really, really love Quidditch and I get behind it a lot. But it's not something that is part of my uh, things daily I do routine. anymore. <laughs> yeah, like literally daily, though. <laughs> so, so you said you oh, left awesome. Quidditch to come and do podcasting to do some podcasts, which I want to get into. But one question I have, which is always interesting mm-hmm. because we all discovered podcasting a little bit different. Do you remember how you discovered podcasting? Like how you the first podcast you ever listened to, did somebody tell you about it? Did you stumble upon it? What was it? Yeah, I think I uh, I had gotten into podcasting a little bit after podcasting experienced its first like boom point with Serial. So I had been hearing about podcasts in like the cultural zeitgeist and Back in the day, actually, this just I'm having a very deep memory. Um, (laughs) But back in the day when I was like 16 or so, when you still had to download podcasts like onto your iPod from. Yeah, like I used to listen to Mugglecast, which is the longest running Harry Potter Harry Potter uh, podcast. And they've been going since 2004. Five, I think mm-hmm. is, that is awesome. when they started. I know. Good yeah. for them, man. That's legit. Right? Yeah. Uh, they probably have a few years. listeners at Maybe this one point. You know? <laughs> Just go, a couple. Going yeah. this long, especially Passing Harry listeners. Potter. I mean, gosh, anything Harry Potter, I would imagine, would just blow oh, up. dude. It's so addicting. Yeah. <laughs> and they like, I, you know, I've been listening. I stopped listening to them after after a little while. Um, not sure when or why, but I listened to them for about a year when I was a teenager. And then the cool thing was last year, last year, the year before last year, last year didn't happen. 2019, I got to go on MuggleCast and that was really cool. As, as an experience, so I was like on my first the podcast. coolest thing. How, so talk about that. I mean, did you? Are you just like good friends with those people, or how? I mean, did you just kind of sl- slide your way on there? Or have, talk about that. Yeah. Into so, yeah. <laughs> right. I and uh, I, I know I know of them from like going to Harry Potter conventions and stuff, but I never met them. And then I went to Podcast Movement in Florida. You, yeah, that's you where two we were there. We, we ran into each other. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And I was there and I went to a Patreon panel. I always go to the Patreon panels because I'm really involved in making our Patreons better. But I, uh, these three dudes were sitting up front and they were like, raised their hands and said, Oh, we have a Harry Potter podcast. And I looked over at them and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the Mugglecast guys. So afterwards, I was super nervous. Afterwards, I walked up to them with my, you know, the, fanatical fix business card and i was like i also have a harry potter podcast and it's really nice to meet you guys (laughs) and i already knew the people from harry potter and the sacred text from being on a panel with them at a harry potter convention and they were also there so i got everybody together to do like a harry potter podcasters at podcast movement group photo and a couple months later they 
we became friends on Facebook and they chatted me and were like, hey, come on the show. So it was very much like a networking at an event scenario. That is, I remember that because yeah. I remember you saying that you ran into them and got all because we, were, we were at the podcast movement, too, with you. It was yeah. so exciting. Yeah. And there were puppies, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, not only did you get to go on the podcast, but you got to meet them in person. So, I mean, that's like yes. even better. In my opinion. Yeah. Because right? it's like, we've that had happen. them on exactly. That doesn't happen. And we've had them on our podcast. I've had one of them on my not Harry Potter podcast. You know, it's very much like we've, you know, I've created a relationship with these people, which is just, it feels so crazy for like being a 16 year old listening to my first Harry Potter podcast on my like old school iPod in my room to being here and, you know, being friends with them and, and having a, you know, good relationship and being on each other's shows. It's really cool. All right, we're going to take just a minute of your time now and talk about one of our awesome sponsors, utahmarijuana.org. I love talking about them, but remember, when you support our sponsors like utahmarijuana.org, you're directly supporting this podcast. And your health. And your health. Hey, utahmarijuana.org is your number one spot for all things medical marijuana, medical cannabis, CBD, and THC. I don't know if you guys remember way back on episode 420, we had Tim Pickett on the podcast. We talked about medical cannabis here in Utah. We talked about utahmarijuana.org. Well, now he's a sponsor of the podcast. I also do another podcast with him, Utah in the Weeds. Go check that out. Anyways, utahmarijuana.org's team of medical cannabis experts, they're going to make getting your medical cannabis card super easy from your first office visit to navigating the state card application and beyond. It is so true, you guys. They are the most helpful medically I have ever been. You know how you want to go to the doctor and you're like, I don't even know what doctor to go to or what to say. These guys are incredible. They have over 20 compassionate and highly skilled qualified medical providers ready to help you find relief. So you won't have to search for a doctor willing to recommend cannabis treatment. The patient experience at utahmarijuana.org is dedicated to helping you get all the way through the process so you can get your medicine legally and stay up to date. And right now, they're offering an exclusive discount to I Am Salt Lake listeners. Just use the code GREEN25 for $25 off your first visit. I did. It was great. And depending on where you're located in the Valley, they have a clinic location just for you. Go to utahmarijuana.org. Check it out. They're going to list it right there. They have uh, location clinics from like Provo to Bountiful to Salt Lake, West Valley. Uh, Go check it out. And like Chrissy said, there's a promo code. Green 25, this is going to give you $25 off your first visit. And it's also going to tell them that you came from I Am Salt Lake and that you're a supporter of this show and that you're down to support this show. And you're down for uh, medical cannabis. So anyways. Down for your health. Hey, isn't it time that you took control of your own health? UtahMarijuana.org. Feel better. We haven't even mentioned what are the... So you do two podcasts currently, right? Yes. Yes. What, what are the names? Let's... Let's let's talk about the first one that you started. What was the very first podcast that you started? I would imagine it's one of the two, right? Yes. So I in 2017, so it's almost four years old now, um, me and one of my best friends started Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them. It's a Harry Potter fan fiction podcast where we where we read 
the most bonkers, wild Harry Potter fan fictions, you know, this Hogwarts slash the giant squid and uh, all sorts of weird pairings and crazy plot lines. And one of us will read to the other. Mm -hmm. And so we have like a read and react format. And we had been doing that since college, since a blanket fort in our living room. And we turned it into a podcast. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you Well, did. blankets make really good soundproofing. <laughs> so you guys were on to something there with a that. With the, with the blanket is, fort. Yeah, man. for real. It's like the best way to start a podcast, <laughs> yeah. man. That's what I always tell people. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, if you want to start a podcast, just get a bunch of pillows and blankets and kind of make a little cave there or, or yep. go into a coat closet or something. and You'll have some good sound dampening. <laughs> but, uh, right? That is, that is cool. So Fanatical Fix, I mean, and this this is kind of blowing up for you. Uh, with your mm -hmm. Patreon and all of that, and you you've actually been able to uh, you know make some income from it and and kind of have it yeah. turn into a little little bit of a job for you, right? Yeah, it is currently my part time one of my one of my jobs. So it, it, is it was probably like a full time job, but it pays probably more like a part time. Exactly. Job. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> As passion for sure, for sure. Go. Exactly. So I mean, yeah, it I. In late last year, I started uh, my company, which is called A Good Bit Productions, and that is houses both of my podcasts right now and is my part-time job, which is uh, surreal and awesome. Was that scary for you, though? Like taking that leap and saying, hey, I'm going to be solely dependent on my podcast listeners to make sure my rent is paid. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's especially like, I mean, I know a lot of podcasters who make an income off of their podcast have things like sponsors or, you know, like advertising and things like that. And we run a hundred percent off of Patreon. And that is a little bit scary just because there's so much fluctuation to it like there's no guarantee that next month we will have the same number or more patrons than we had the you know this month so there's it is kind of scary in that effect but like also i have been waiting tables for 10 years and you never know how much money you're gonna make waiting tables so it kind of doesn't feel any different from that to me in a sense um but also uh as far as fanatical fix is concerned that community is very strong like we've created a really wonderful community there and they are extremely just like supportive of me as as a person and they're my friends and it's uh you know it's i can't remember what that relationship is called these days where there's like a person online that you know they have a name for it there's uh there's like a just friends. Uh, I mean, I just call them my <laughs> friends. I don't know. They're now yeah. they come up with some new cool hip name. For that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gotta, gotta no, they're <laughs> Facebook friends. <laughs> yeah, we have a Discord that's linked to our Patreon, so we are sort of co I'm constantly in contact with them and like they know me as a person and it's just like I know they know that I have made this step in my life and that the thing that they're doing is supporting me and they're really supportive and cool about it and it's been really awesome I've never used discord I you know I hear people talk about it I don't even know what I should I should look into it because I hear a lot of podcasters talk about it I'm like well maybe there'd be a way I can incorporate it with this show somehow I don't know 
Yeah, I love Discord. It's kind of like it was built for gamers. Okay. So it has some functionality that's just sort of like uh n- that we don't use, but it is really great as like a as um like a chat, a isn't chat it? F- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you can create all kinds of different channels so it's not just like one chat with everybody in it. They can go to different places and talk about different things and we have roughly 50 channels because oh, wow. everybody has a bunch of different fandoms that they love and you got to have spoiler free channels so that people aren't spoiling, you know, Falcon and Winter Winter Soldier for everybody cuz they watched it first. Is that um, really difficult so, to maintain? Uh yes. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into with Patreon, and I've learned a lot about how to structure a Patreon by making a lot of mistakes. And now I'm learning a lot about community management by making a lot of mistakes. That's so <laughs> fail fast, fail forward, man. It's the yeah. Way to do it. But it is like, ugh, that is an ordeal to have to manage to manage humans is very challenging. Yeah. And then on the internet is even more. Uh, right of a challenge because people can say whatever they want and run away yeah and i think that we so far have been extremely fortunate there's our podcast does attract a certain kind of person they're like really you know fun loving they're really very strange it's a very very queer community and so i think that like ha- like building a safe space is a thing that queer people are really used to we have to do that a lot for ourselves and for our friends and for our communities so it's been a lot easier because the people there are are really in tune with that safe space that's so cool it's like it sounds like uh when you're in high school it's the drama club and the choir kids and you know you're like yeah that place is safe and i can be (laughs) weird i'll go there exactly so would would you say somebody who's not into harry potter would enjoy fanatical fix i mean would they enjoy the podcast do you think we have several people who listen to the podcast who are not big Harry Potter fans. Really? Uh, most of the time, yeah. If you have like a, like a cursory knowledge of Harry Potter, it, the wildness of the stories that we read kind of transcends having to know a lot about like the canon of Harry Potter because <laughs> what we're doing has nothing to do with the canon of Harry Potter, honestly. <laughs> You're just kind of like um, looking at what people have created randomly but it's associated with the thing exactly so and there's like a lot of original characters and a lot of like references to you know quote-unquote muggle culture so like it is definitely enjoyable for people who are not big harry potter fans they just like have a sort of cursory knowledge of harry potter in that they know it's a boy wizard who goes to wizard school (laughs) have you had any like um uh, wait, I'm success stories where you someone finds you and they're not totally a Harry Potter person, but then all then you just changed them. That would be a success story. Uh, hello, <laughs> <laughs> get on the train, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean my 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 favorite thing that happens is people who are not big Harry Potter fans will become really big Harry Potter fan fiction fans because the what sort of the underlying thing to the podcast is that we love fan fiction and fan fiction's you know it spans a lot of space 
there's like really terribly written fan fiction. There's really wonderfully written fan fiction. There's bonkers, wild stuff with cr- the craziest pairings and the craziest <laughs> plot lines. And then there's stuff that's like novel length fan fictions about what the marauders must have been like as teens at Hogwarts, you know, or like, uh, you know, missing pieces from the books, missing scenes. Those are some of my favorites. And, you know, there's stuff that hasn't aged super well. There's stuff that is really progressive. Like it's the whole gamut, you know? And so we love all of it. We love the stuff we read on the podcast that's totally bonkers. And we love reading fan fictions that are just like beautiful pieces of artwork. So people will come into the podcast and be like, oh, I kind of like Harry Potter and this sounds kind of funny. And we will convert them into being a person who like goes out on their own and finds Harry Potter fan fictions that they love. Yeah, now, see, what, that is a success story. What about you? Do you do you get to write any fan fiction yourself? I mean, is that kind of do you do any of that? So I've been writing fan fiction since I was like 12. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if that was part of it. I didn't know if that was something you just enjoyed reading it or if you enjoyed actually writing it. So I, yeah, I, my co-host has, didn't write any until we started the podcast. And since then she has written a a few different pieces of fan fiction. Um, So that has been a success story in my mind too, is taking my friend and making her into a fan fiction writer. Uh, But also I, uh, started writing fan fiction when I was about 12. I was pretty prolific until like 17 and then didn't write a lot for a while. And starting the podcast actually got me back into writing and not just writing Harry Potter fan fiction, but just writing in general, which has been really wonderful. And we actually... um we have a lot of like callbacks, inside jokes, like sort of things in the podcast. And we wrote for our 100th episode that just came out a couple months ago. We together wrote a fan fiction and then we had our friend come in and do all the narration bits and we did all the voices of the characters in it. And that was our 100th episode was something that we wrote for the fans that included a lot of their favorite jokes and characters and stuff so it's been great that must have been like really challenging it was really really difficult and took a long long time but was really fun to do and probably one of the things we are the most proud of i don't think listeners of these podcasts realize some of the time that some of their hosts put into putting their podcast together yeah it's 150 percent all the time (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And not only putting together the thing that they get to listen to, but sort of all the stuff that goes along with it. Like you got to run a social media account and oh, answer well, emails. Really, yeah, and- <laughs> exactly. It's like less about putting out audio. It's really more about building a community of people who are there for each other mm-hmm. because they found something similar, you know, and it really it's right. weird how that kind of lands on on you as a podcaster, it almost becomes your responsibility in a kind of a messed up way. I don't want to be responsible for that kind of crap, (laughs) but you know, it's like, okay, cool, cool. You're the leader. Well, leader's the wrong word, but, um, yeah, the the, loving person. Yeah. (laughs) The mom, the mom. So what's your second podcast, the newest podcast. Let's talk about that one. What's the name of that one. And what's the premise? What's it all about? 
Yeah, so that one's called But Make It Scary, and it's a dark comedy podcast where me and my guests take romantic films and turn them into horror films. And it is a wild ride. It is just like a weird game I came up with uh, as a new horror fan. I'm very new to being a horror person. And I realized how much I love I love horror films. I was just a really as a scaredy cat as a kid. Okay, uh, I was going to ask you <laughs> this because I've, I've never met anyone else like that. I, I am also a recent horror fan. And I never thought I would be because I was always so scared of everything. Oh, my gosh. I found someone like I'm so happy to hear that. OK, continue. And it, the, I mean, the the cool thing is you're like, oh, I didn't realize that between all these jump scares is like a really cool story. And like a lot of horror films have like really amazing world building and lore and yeah. just the storytelling is really great. And I am a forever ro- romance slash rom-com connoisseur, and I understand that those films are bad. <laughs> <laughs> and they are more than, more than often than not, they are badly written, and uh, the stories are bonkers. And you're like, it is kind of more insane to me that like these two teens would fall to fall in love in one night they would become each other's soulmates and be together forever than like a literal ghost and they slit each other's throats (laughs) dude i know i've told you this like a gajillion times but i was so excited to find out about this podcast because our almost youngest daughter whatever second youngest coolest kid ever but she cannot watch romantic comedies because she's just like oh my gosh these should all she'll start she'll tell me she'll be like okay that one should kill that one and then she'll like make up a whole story you are dark i like it (laughs) exactly they're they romantic comedies are just one step away from a horror movie and i really loved I really loved the format of taking something and making it into something new. One of my very favorite podcasts of all time is called Punch Up the Jam. And it's a couple comedians and they took uh, like popular songs, would sort of break them down and then rewrite them. And I really like that format a lot. And I wanted to use the format, but wasn't sure where to go with it. So I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I came up with this idea probably in early 2019. And then and then I got and then 2020 happened and I got stuck at home for a year. And it seemed like an appropriate time to start a second podcast. Hey, get out the blanket for it. So yeah, yeah. What, how many so how many episodes have you done on the new podcast? Only like a couple dozen, right? Sixteen. Sixteen have been released. What's been like your favorite one that you've done? Like to fav- do you have like a favorite one that you've done? I would say Greece. Okay, oh, that's Olivia right. Okay, Greece. Yeah, yeah, is probably the the fan favorite thus far. I also have. I also really loved. Um, doing Groundhog Day with my friend Colin, who's one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. So those are those two are my favorites, Grease and Groundhog Day, I, would, I think, 
are my favorite. Just because so I'll, I'll put a link. I'll put a link for people to say, hey, you know, if you haven't checked out, those are two good episodes. Go check them yeah. out. Yeah, and Groundhog's yeah. Day. I love that, that had movie. to take some yeah. extreme thinking because it's already kind of, you know, he's like killing himself yep. all the time. So how are you going to? Uh, that would be fascinating. I mean, it's, it's already a horror movie, and we did so cool. some really bonkers stuff with it, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So yes, you know, agreed. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> So then, okay, so you started this production company to kind of house these two podcasts. So that means you want to bring more podcasts there. Do you plan on like reaching out to friends or having people reach out to you or just have it all be your podcast? Um, So I would love to have a third podcast. Okay. And then moving forward, I would love to facilitate podcasting for like, obviously, as we were talking about before, like it's a ton of work. And not Mm -hmm. only is it a ton of work, but like, if you're just a person, you're just like a regular person trying to start a podcast. Yes, there is information out there for to help you. um, But it is hard. Like, I feel like I just got super lucky picking up great microphones immediately. This this microphone's the same microphone I've been using since 2017, you know, and and that seems to be like just a stroke of luck that our sound sounded good, but it doesn't always. And that's a really important part, you know, so like the the more like nitty gritty details of things. And then, of course, audio editing is not something that everybody knows how to do. So I would love to help my friends and people I know facilitate them to make podcasts that they want to make, even if they don't have like the technical skills to do so. I love it. I love it. Just because I mean, there are a lot of people. I mean, I, I hear it. I mean, anybody who's involved in podcasting, everybody's like, oh, I'd love to start a podcast, but I don't know how to start. And it's like, well, I mean, it's it's not easy, but it's not hard either. You know, it's just it's just commitment. Yeah. And, and yeah. commitment's hard, man. It is. And that's the other thing that I, I'd like to do is just start doing like pre-production consultation because that's like the organizational labor of of pre-production is really daunting i think when somebody is like i want to start a podcast and that's your only thought that you have but yeah let's do it let's have you start a podcast but like how how what's it going to be about what's the structure going to be like like you should have an outline sort of so that you know what what the basic format of your podcast looks like you know and those kind of things that like maybe you wouldn't think of immediately or maybe would just seem daunting to do is something that I would love to help people do because I think once you get the ball rolling, it's a lot easier. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. Once you get that ball rolling, once you get like in the beginning of starting anything, right, it's hard. And then once you get, it's like the wheels are greased and it just runs Mm -hmm. like a well-oiled machine. And you, you Mm -hmm. have to put out a ton of, working on it tons of crappy stuff to finally kind of find your voice i think people expect too much to start perfect you just gotta go for it yeah yeah i always say like especially there's a lot of people who i'll talk to and be like oh i have podcasts and they'll be like oh i don't listen to podcasts what should i listen to and i'm like well there's gonna be something for whatever the thing is you're interested in right like you can find a podcast about the thing you're interested in there are a million podcasts but do not judge the podcast by their first three episodes. Agreed. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's good advice. It's so hard to start. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm like just the like, pilot if you don't like sitcom. it, skip to the next one. Exactly. The pilot of a sitcom is often not what the sitcom is. Like you never want to watch it again 
It just introduced everybody. <laughs> exactly. Like if you go back to some of the best shows ever, their first pilot episodes were probably just garbage. Oh, yeah. I wonder how many. I wonder what the statistics are. I actually are do there. that on purpose sometimes. Go I'm back like, and I watch. I wonder. Like the Arrested Development. I'm like, huh. Like now I wonder what the pilot episode was like and my reaction to it. Yeah. Well, if you right. go back to the first I Am Salt Lake, that's pretty rough. Yeah. yeah, we yeah. have a we have a disclaimer at the top of the first episode of Fanatical Fix that's like, if you begin to become bored because this episode is bad, skip to the next episode. <laughs> Genius um, idea. <laughs> Let's talk Salt Lake City because we love talking about Salt Lake City on the, this podcast. Uh, getting course. to know our fellow Salt Lake Cityans. You know, when we have family and friends that visit us, uh, you know, they come to town and they're like, Sequoia, show us around your awesome city, right? Show us around Salt Lake City, the area, the valley, the mountains. Where do you take people? I mean, do you take people to the lake or Park City or downtown? Or do you have like a little tour you take people on at all? So that's a good question because we, as a person who's been involved in Quidditch for so long and having tournaments out here in Utah, there's been many, many times where I've had people come and sort of want to see what Salt Lake is about. And my thing about Salt Lake is that you wouldn't think it off the top, but we have some of the best food here. We do. I'm yeah. a- I'm a big, big foodie, Salt Lake foodie. So um, I definitely take people out to eat probably more often than they are hungry or needing to consume food. <laughs> we do a lot, a lot of eating, a lot of snacking, a lot of getting treats. Um, and then I would say, yeah, Park City is definitely a place that I would take people. I mean, that sort of main, cute little main street area in Park City is just really fun and really like visually cool. I find it like people when they come to visit, they want to go see the temple. So I'll take them to go see the temple, um, take them to go see Space Jesus and the temple. <laughs> and they have a fun time, you know, and they're like, this is this is the thing that people to say to house. see when you come here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I do take them. I always take them there. I have I've been there quite a bit. And then just eating and eating and eating and eating until we fall asleep tell you explode I go on that trip. yeah <laughs> so yummy do you want your tour start here yeah yeah <laughs> so uh how do, how do i yeah. sign up unfortunately sadly my you know you've got to start your food tour starts with breakfast and i would take people to blue plate and it's not there anymore they they closed down on may 4th and oh, i'm very so very sad, sad about it yeah, that was a great place. It was a really great place. Any other favorites? Any other favorite spots? Yeah, I mean, breakfast-wise, definitely Sweet Lakes biscuits okay. and limeade. Obviously, that's that's a big hit. Or pig in a jelly jar. And I am, I always, I have to take people to Red Iguana. I feel like that's the thing that people say all the time, but it's just said all the time because it's true. Well, it's good food. It's, I mean, yeah. you got to yeah. go. You got to take them to the good you food. You got to go. It's amazing. Especially it's when undeniable. people come in from out of the country. They're like, uh, when Europeans will come in or Canadians will come in and I'll be like, here's the thing. I got to take you to the best Mexican food in 
Salt Lake because it's not always easy to find like that really authentic, wonderful Mexican food, especially when like the Europeans come. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Is there anything you would change about Salt Lake or the Valley if you could? Like, let's say you had the opportunity, however you want to interpret that question. Yeah. I mean, I would be happy to live here forever and ever and ever were it not for our political situation. You know, I don't I I just like don't agree with our our lawmakers in this state. And it feels like there's nothing to be done about it. And it is a little disheartening. And that's that's my my non hot take, my Salt Lake City cold take. <laughs> no, I like it. I it's like true. it. The hope is that like the next generation, right? We just gotta like yeah. move move everybody out. Be like, go to your old folks' home. Yeah. Let us fix everything. Okay? Well, I, I think that's kind of across the board go the whole United bingo. States, really. And it's right. you gotta get yeah. you gotta get some new ideas in there and, and some new blood. I think and it's nothing against, you know, it's just I know that was ageist of me. Yeah, it's just I apologize. people get worn out when they get older. Well, yeah. Uh, as as I change is hard. Go relax. Get, get older and older. You know, like yeah, let us some of us younger generations. Look, uh, we're feisty. Let us go for it. No, I am so glad. I am so glad that we got you on the podcast, Sequoia. And I know this is uh, you know, we tried to record this before, and it and it, and it kind of got screwed up. And and but but this was was fun to chat again and and kind of yeah. go through everything. I mean, was there anything we missed or anything that you were hoping we would talk about? I know we just kind of lightly skimmed the surface with your podcasts and with the Quidditch and with Harry Potter fan fiction and uh, all that. But was there anything you were hoping we could talk about? I think we I think we hit a lot of good points. I mean, if you know, I I hope there's one there was one thing. There was one thing. The United States Quidditch is having the national championship in 2022 in Salt Lake. And this is the best possible tournament you could ever see Quidditch at, played at its best, its very best. So just like I just want everybody to keep that in their minds, uh, maybe follow U.S. Quidditch, United States Quidditch on social media or something so you can make sure you get the update when tickets go on sale. But that is going to be the Quidditch event to be at. OK, man, right in our own backyard. We'll keep our exactly. eyes open for that, you know, and yeah. if anybody sees that posted in the I Am Salt Lake community on our Facebook group. So we can all see that, you know, when tickets go yeah. on sale. So we, you know, that way we can be aware of that. But that's so awesome. That is so I'm going to yeah. have to check that out. How can people like, uh, let's talk about links and the podcast names and all that, like how people can track you down and find you and listen to your podcast. What's all those links? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to find my podcasts, Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them and But Make It Scary are found wherever pods are cast. You can find Fanatical Fix on social media at Fanatical Fix or our website, fanaticalfix.com. You can find But Make It Scary on social media at But Make It Scary or at But Make It Scary.com. And then you can also find me on on Twitter at Sasquoya or on Instagram at Sequoia Simone. Or on my website, sequoiasimone.com. You're everywhere. everywhere. (laughs) No, that's great. You know how many people we talk to, though, and it's like you have to, like, pull an Instagram username out of them. And it's like, gosh, you know, you have no way to track you down. It's almost like people don't want to be stalked. 
I don't get it. <laughs> oh, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> well, that's how it is. I mean, people like yourself and us and stuff that put ourselves out there. It's like, well, we're everywhere. Just throw it in the Google. Oh, yeah. It's like, you're going to track <laughs> us down. But uh, thank you so much for, for recording with us. Thank you. So, I mean, it's been, it's yeah. been, it's been a joy to, to chat. And uh, Chrissy has a final question. I'm going to let her throw at you, Sequoia. Thank yeah. you for, for uh, recording with us. Oh, it looks like it wasn't accessing the video here. I don't know what happened. But uh, go ahead, Chrissy, with your final question. Oh, there. yes. Before I let you go, I need you to answer me one thing. If you could leave our listeners with a piece of life advice or a motto that you live by or wish they would live by, what would it be? Life is just sort of flailing around until something good happens. So don't be worried if you're flailing. Oh my gosh, I love, you've no idea how much some of us needed to hear that today. You're a boss. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sequoia. You've been awesome. Thank you. Thanks again to Sequoia Simone for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All of the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode's show notes on our podcast website at IamSaltLake.com. And to get straight to this episode, you can type IamSaltLake.com slash 485 in your URL. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the podcast. I want to mention a couple of ways you can support the show, support the podcast. Any support is much appreciated. Uh, you can leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. This costs you nothing, and we love reading about it. We love seeing what you guys have to say about the show. Uh, so you can do that. You can also become a Patreon supporter. Really easy to do by going to patreon.com slash Lake. Also, keep in mind, like I said at the very beginning, I uh, just passed my real estate exam. So I'm going to be selling some homes. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, doing all of that. So if you know anybody in the market, maybe in the next little while, keep me in mind when that happens. But uh, other than that, you guys have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city. Support local. And we're going to see you next week on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. And good night, Grammy. <laughs>